Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome to Lauren's Sunday Podcast. Uh, it is Sunday, August 19th, 2018. Oh, it's a few minutes after 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, that'll be a little after 5 o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, as you've noticed, uh, if you've called in, you have been muted. The chat room, though, remains open. It's open. Chat among yourselves. Um, and as most of you know, all opinions and comments uh, of my callers, they don't necessarily reflect my own, everyone. But uh, with any communication forum, there is so much to gain and learn from one another. Uh, what I've noticed lately also, I don't want to become repetitious, but um, with some of this talk sheet form, people are, are being able to call in, and I think the entire room is muted. And it's not. Um, whenever I'm in interview or personal commentary mode, callers are always muted for that main purpose. I'm in a thought or in the middle of an interview, and someone blurts out, uh, and it breaks the it breaks my communication. I want all of you to really understand something about me when I am telling my story or reflecting. Uh, I am in the zone, literally. The memories, the feelings, the atmosphere. You know, unlike most of your support calls, I'm not just sitting there, and this happened five years ago. I'm really in the mode. So thus my narrative perspective is at a much different level than um, many of you might have heard uh you know, from other calls. When I'm in the moment, I'm in the moment. And what else can I say? When I'm interrupted, it, it breaks character. You know what I'm saying? And and it's uh, imperative that I have the room quiet to stay in that moment. When I commence from any commentary, interview, I'm completely open to questions and answers, um, at which time you can just go ahead, uh, everyone, and... Um, star two on your phone and it sort of raises your hand i can see you after we're done it'll be a question and answer mode um i'm really a stickler again about being interrupted when again when i'm doing personal commentaries or interviews when that flow is broken it's very it's hard for me to get it back because um those of you that may come on my calls can understand i put so much into it. And let me, sometimes I think I need to sort of take it really slow, everyone, um, when I'm trying to break down what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, any of us to reflect on our past or history can be um, rather um, difficult and a challenge to most of us. It really is, guys. So it's even harder, you know, going from that standpoint. Again, uh, work with me. There is very much um, a method to my madness, as they like to speak. 
and uh, that's normally what it is. Um, so, let me see. Without further ado, <clears throat> let's go ahead and, as they like to say, in show business, guys. Hey, let's go ahead and get this show on the road. Come on. Hi, welcome to Lauren's Podcast. Good evening. It is Sunday, August 19th, 2018. Uh, got a special treat tonight. The four faces of Ethel, my mother's daughters. We are now post-May 1970. We have lost our father, and it's just my mom and her four girls. Let's pick it up, you guys. Generational targeting. The four faces of Ethel. Welcome and good evening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to tonight's podcast, The Four Faces of Ethel. Um, I've attempted many times to continue, and I hope to finish The Passion of Ethel, but I'm always, you know interrupted. Uh, I've done my best tonight to understand this muting. However, I'm going to pace myself with tonight, the four faces of Ethel, and that definitely accounts for my mom having four girls. Uh, Many of you already know me in the community. Total hen house, no brothers, unfortunately, only four girls. Um, I will pace myself when I talk momentarily and continue to thank you for listening. I'm in commentary mode. And what happened last night, I really must apologize for losing it with one caller. I, again, want you guys to know when I'm in the zone of narrating to you guys, I'm in that moment. I'm that little, you know, 11-year-old girl. The smells, what I, what my eyes looked at, what 1970 looked like in northwest Indiana. How my mother, her actions, my interactions with my sister, the whole family dynamics, I'm in the zone. So unlike most testimonies in the community that you hear, I'm not just like sitting down and 10 years ago, no, 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 I'm in the mode. So when I'm interrupted of any account, it pulls me out of that. It pulls me away from the taste, touch, smell, how my mind processes. I'm really in the zone. And I won't lie to you guys, I'm in the zone. So much so I'm not even mindful enough who can come in whom, and I don't know that they're unmuted and blurred out. So I will work on my next challenge, should it happen again, to um, do my best to stay in that zone, so to speak. Uh, Tonight, however, as I said before, hopefully within a week or two, things will quiet down a little bit, or maybe I'll even have a closed audience. I want very much to continue the passion of Ethel. And do I know I can do it right, and be prepared for any type of interruption. I wasn't last night, and again, my apologies. I will work on that. Let's go into it. My father passed May fifteenth, nineteen seventy. My mother, now a widow. The oldest child, Mary, was ten years old. She's born nineteen sixty. I was. Nine, born in 61, and then I got my younger sisters born in 1965 and 66. 
Lillian, the baby, was still very little. Uh, it was uh, still a matter of months. Mama was going through the motions. It was quieter in her house. Uh, as I look back on it, I think that insurance burial check must have come in because she put my father away very nice. Grandma Ellen, my father's mother, was very impressed. Father was shipped from Indiana to Alabama. He had the newest casket, titanium, steel blue, with a dark blue navy suit. My grandmother never, she was uneducated. She couldn't read or write. Part Indian, part black. Uh, she definitely had peculiar ways and such. When you meet her, she would just nod her head. She wasn't social. And wasn't very open to conversation. Maybe, again, she was a woman of her time. I, I don't know. But she was born around my grandfather's age, around pretty much 1910, maybe 1915, somewhere around that. My father was uh, presented with the top of the line, as they wanted to call it, burial. He looked good. The casket was beautiful, and he was in a new type of burial uh, type, the vault. That was all new of 1970. There was no more mounds of dirt and rocks and scratchy writing. He had a proper headstone. The top of it was totally sealed in vault, as they did. I don't believe... Let's just put it this way. The vault was the, the new and improved thing, and my mom didn't seem to cut back on exper expenses with that burial. I think there was some money left for her to put a deposit down on a house. She moved with us four girls. My stepfather was in the background, guys, but I quite I haven't quite figured out now how long he was in the picture. Give me some give me some time. I'll figure it out. I'm gonna do my best. He was let's put it this way, he was in the back wings. I'm just going through my eyes of a of a nine year old. I have a feeling he was there a little bit longer. Let me, you know, work it out. Unfortunately, most relatives around my mom's age are either dead or they're odd when Lillian calls them. Roughly within six months of my father's death, his brother, Uncle James, came to visit. Looked just like my dad. Okay, so this is a Paul Newman as well, guys. With one exception, he was much taller than my father, over six feet. Lillian had the habit, maybe the baby, of answering the phone in the door, which my mother used to yell at her. You don't do it right. You're too young. She still did it. So she answered the door and, and skipped back and um, basically looked at my mom and was like, Daddy's back. He's not gone. Here he is. He's walked right behind me. He's here to see us. And then my mom got quiet. My Uncle James was quiet and looking. And she's like, look at him. Didn't we put Daddy in the ground? Remember? Remember I bought you that dress? Remember I told you not to play in the red dirt? You'll get dirty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now look at him again. Who is he? Oh, it's Uncle James. You see? See, Daddy's not coming back. Do, do you understand? And she, my sister was little. She was just like, I, yeah, I understand. She held her there and all of the girls listen to what I'm saying. Your father's gone. When you are dead, they do not return. Mama, can we still cry? And my mom did say, you can if you feel like it, but don't be surprised if you cry less as you get older 
because it simply hurts less. That year, May of 1970, until August 1971, my mother remarried. What were those 13 months or more like with four girls and my mom? Well, in a nutshell, the best time of my fucking life. No more was there clothes picked up from Salvation Army or what white families would donate, stains or no stains. All clothes were new. The pantsuit was in, polyester. It's 1970. She even took us to beauty shop for all of our hair to be blown out with ribbons and bows in an Afro style. My mom even bought new clothes. We helped her pick out a raincoat that fall. It's the color of ripe pumpkin. We all told her to get it. It was a good-looking trench and a very unusual color. She wore it with such pride and looked very nice. Every other weekend, we were in the pile up in the car and driving over to Chicago. These are the things you see my mom really wanted to do, not just visit in-laws and make it a drinking affair until my father, after many pleas from his wife, and girls to drive back home, which usually meant my mom driving. He was too drunk. All those visits to Chicago were no more. Mary and I were older, most of us holding Lily and the baby until she fell asleep. And this is the time that Tanya would tea, my younger sister. She would just pull on my mom's sweater and look at her and always say, I want to go back to my home. It was late, it was cold, we were tired, we were kids. Uh, but if any of you have any experience in the life of an addict, they live from one moment obtaining their drug of choice to utilizing it, and the vicious cycle starts all over again. How creatively ways can I find the money to obtain the object of my addiction? It doesn't matter if it's drugs booze, sex, that's the cycle of addiction, you see. It really is. Do I have to work X amount of hours and wait for my paycheck so I can have my addiction? Can I steal from my mate to have my addiction? Can I lie and cheat my friends or family to have my addiction, get my addiction, utilize it again, and then I'm back to, to square one? How can I find ways to procure my addiction? Yeah, I've heard of all the fancy NA, Narcotics Anonymous, AA. You know, let me tell you, the cycle still, you guys, is just like that. What is it I'm addicted to? How am I going to get the means to get that addiction? Utilize it, uh, you know, give myself the fulfillment and happiness, and then it uh, keeps going over and over again. I'm broke again, so how can I get the money, or whom can I exploit and utilize to get the money to have my addiction? There's none of that shit going on after he died. New house, some new furniture, and slowly, almost monthly, something was being mailed. We were either in sometimes snow time, a box of the encyclopedias were mailed. 
It was all my mom's way. But guess what, everyone? It was not only the right way. I was really happy. We now have books to read. She now finished paying off rentals from violin. Mary owned hers. I owned mine. The upstairs of the new house we bought, it was old, but she made sure, she, as she kept saying, the upstairs looks nicer than the downstairs. Well, I think I'm going to go ahead and rent this to a nursing student. Her name was Gloria, guys. She was a, a black young woman, attractive. She actually lived from Gary, but she was going to um, uh, Purdue to take up uh, nursing. She didn't really want to live in the dorms. And as she put it, for the same amount of money, she'd rather have her apartment upstairs. I liked her. Me and Mary had to go once a week and sweep the outside steps, mop it. And also our mom uh, bought a new vacuum cleaner, and we told her we would go ahead and vacuum her carpeting, you know, and uh, take out the trash. She wasn't uh, messy at all. Mary and I would try on her foster grandson's glasses and spray her musk perfume that my mother could smell and hate it. We excelled in school like never before. Everything was new that touched our bodies for once. New eyeglasses, new clothes. Mama bought a Bible and a trench coat. If my mom was on our own, and if 1970 meant most women weren't, I'd live to tell you that I think my mom did above and beyond a great job. It was no more late night. Early Saturday morning to see museums. And heck, we were back at home sometimes before 5 or 6 in the evening. No more liquor was in our house, although occasionally my mother bought Mogan David. Saturday evening she may have a glass. Quiet. Dinner was on. Chores were dictated to my older sister and I. My older sister understood. Now that our fathers did, we older kids had to step up and help mom a little bit more, especially because we got two younger sisters and they're too little to help out. Until they get bigger. We were responsible for getting our baby sisters up, waiting for them in school. All of us walked to school together and walked home together. Bubble bath that night for the little girls, put them in a tub, while my mom was now cleaning as janitor for a plant. On the weekend, she would take maybe one family or two as the help, it was basically dusting and cleaning bathrooms or kitchens for their house. And Sunday, no work at all. That was to go to church. And as I think back on it, I think Mama didn't work on Mondays. That's usually when we did our own washing. The clothes were out. Because when we got home from school, there was a spray bottle of water. and balled the clothes up and had to go and iron them. Uh, Seemed like back then the fabrics required some type of ironing. As a mom, she was superwoman. I don't know if my other sisters really missed it. 
I didn't think of him too much. But some of my sisters noticed that our mom, quiet moments, she was sad. In our room that we had to share all together, boxes of old records, blues, jazz, some records my mother had. She bought Mary a suitcase record player and at one point told my older sister, take care of the records here, but you can play all of them. All They were just there, you guys, in that cabinet. The only thing we were listening to was the Jackson 5 and the little groups that kids our age listen to. I never recalled my mom more social with my dad, but she was now. Even to go shopping, say hello to other African Americans in the community, would take us some time to Washington Park. I've lived here almost five years, everyone. The park is still here, but it went into decline, as most small towns across our country. You can see glimpses of what promise and prominence it must have had, but inevitable decline. It doesn't make sense to me sometimes when I listen on the, watch the news, that America is on a high economically. The stocks have never been higher. I just shake my head in confusion because I look around where I lived post knowing that I'm a targeted individual and I'm like, well, where's the money? I can feel it being sucked out. I'll even be more curious with the blessing of God, of course, that I'm able to reach California and safety. Oh, what was it like? Four black daughters, early 1970s. I'm going to tell you the truth. We had to share one room. It was large. In two full-size beds, we fought over dollies, what to watch on television. When my mom was working at night, we did bathe our younger sisters, but we didn't really put them to bed as early as mama wanted us to. They were up at night watching Tuesday Movie of the Week and Creature Feature with us, getting half scared. My older sister and I would open two cans of soda. That's all we were allowed to share among four. And pop, jiffy pop, popcorn. And then when we would hear mom drive up, we would pat the little ones on the bottom. I've got to get in bed right now so mama thinks she's been asleep for, for at least an hour or two. They weren't. And Mary and I would sometimes wait for her, come in. She'd look around clean, everything's picked up, you girls mop the floor and everything, so just look around, and then quietly say, give me a moment, I'm going to the bathroom, and my mother would bathe, and I'd say, I'll come out, and that was the occasional sometime, that she would have some milk and David wine, sometimes ask Mary to go get the suitcase record player, and play some songs. Maybe that was my only memory of my mom after my dad died of sadness. I always questioned 
did society or pressure of society push my mother into a second marriage thinking she needed some type of assistance? No, my stepfather didn't drink. He, he said he get, went to church. I don't know. As I look back on it, as a child, my mom seemed happy with him. Oh, she must have been quietly having the romance toward the end of 70 to pin down this marriage, August of 71. It was later revealed to me, my sister and other in-laws, she asked quite a few people if she should marry, and everyone told her no, including white family. She had cleaned for them as their housekeeper for over 20 years. Some just said, wait, wait it out, Elsa. Wait five years or more. Just wait. The kids are still young. Spend time with your girls. My mother didn't. Again, I don't know if she was addicted to marriage, a man, a union, or if she truly, truly felt inadequate that she couldn't do the job. Because I'm living testimony sitting here with you right now. She could. She did and she could. My mom was imperfect. Who is? But I will never lie. Number one, I adored her and loved her. Number two, I had a mom. I didn't have a woman over me. She didn't show me her emptiness, her misgiving. Let it all hang out. Thus, by showing me just mom, don't you understand? I could always, always respect her. Things have degraded, as I see right now. A little bit too much hanging out in front of the kids, for my liking. But, again, I too am of that different generation. I wonder if this program spooked my mom. Vandalism, car problems, heating, um hot water heater being turned off and my mother, someone was coming in the house. She knew that we were at school. She was out at work and she would just have that frown on her face. Did my mom marry Walter because of fear? Unlike my dad when they married in the August of 71, guys, I ain't going to lie to you. My mom had a partner to go to church. We went on vacation. He brought his younger nieces to live with us as well. They were around my sister's age, younger than me. I know right now you want me to just dress him up to be the male, equal part, wicked, evil stepfather. You guys, I can't even lie on that. I can't lie on it right now. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. Let me say it real truthfully. My mom was happy. He didn't come in our bedrooms and touch us. There was no incest or pedo weirdness. No, no, nothing like that. And the house even filled up more. You know, we had our granddad. And quite frankly, I think my mom was just happy having her father live with her. I don't even think she never needed to marry. But nonetheless, let me keep moving on with the story. The wedding was August, 1971 at her church. She wore a powder blue dress with matching pumps. She'd gotten kind of full with Walter that time, chubby again. She didn't wear the pumpkin color uh, 
raincoat anymore. I don't know if it's happiness, but they say sometimes when you're in love, you gain weight. Let me tell you, played a lot of music. The reception was fun. Back at the house, the in-laws were there. Even her sisters from California flew in. Trying to upstage my mom at any account. It was at 71, you guys. I don't know. The style, for some reason, middle-aged black women was this kind of mm, chill, chill tanning sort of Harpo colored blonde wig that black women were wearing. I don't know why it was the end thing. It was really ridiculous. But anyway, both of my aunts from California were sporting that on their heads. My sisters and I just kept saying, where are they getting that color from? Like Harpo, you guys, like Harpo. Their, um, but their dresses and stuff were really dynamite looking and really cool cosmetic jewelry. What can I say? They were attractive. That's all people think of California. Good looking. Put it together well. Exciting. And I thought for a few years we were quite happy. Things seem to, things seem to fall in place. It's almost as if everything my mother thought and put her hand to do bloomed. Yet not four girls, four of her girls, two of his nieces, their mother died tragically too. Granddad, a total of nine people. Gloria had already moved out, and it's a good thing it happened. You know the nursing student? She's a nice girl, but my mother worried that she had too many boyfriends. And I guess she was kind of right. Gloria kind of got pregnant and decided to live with one of them. My mother married and decided, no, we're not going to rent it again. If it's filling up like this, we're just going to put these girls upstairs. And that's where most of us were, six girls. Okay, three downstairs, an old house. First couple of years were fine. Vacations, we started coming together as a family. Christmas of 75, we had one of those silver trees, rotating colors, and oodles and oodles of gifts. I'd had a paper route by then, so I felt good at 14 to be able to buy gifts for everyone. Didn't have much money, but I spent it. Then, after Christmas, we're going into January of 76. It's as if more, it's a blizzard, it's cold. But more important, it was cold in our house, spiritually. What blew in, I didn't know. I'd never seen my mom tense, worried, wringing her hands again. And it went through my mind. I haven't seen that. Since my father died. From a few months from 15, even my older sister noticed it. We looked at each other. But we learned, probably through our mother, is hush talk, as they like to call it in the South. On our way to the store or the park, or allowing even now our little sisters, who are now beginning bigger, go ahead of us with their little new bicycles. As long as we we told them they can always go ahead of us as long as, but if they go too far, we'll start shouting. That's letting them know they're going too far. They're on the sidewalk, never in the street. 
and I'm with my older sister talking. She said, what's, what's wrong with mom? I said, I don't know. She said, she's acting funny. I know, I know. She, she looks worried, upset, a lot of things. My stepfather began not coming home anymore, as usual. She's, my mom had company before work, of course, with my grandfather. Talked to him, coffee. Even my younger sisters sometimes, we had different conversations. It's very unusual when you have the opportunity to live with several generations under one roof, you see. Even my sister expressed that to me now, and she's just 50. She says, it's one thing as a kid to talk to your mom one way, talk to your sisters, but then to talk to your mom's father is different. Granddaddy would often tell her stories, talk about cars, how much the world has changed. Um, We asked him how did he feel about the bicentennial year, and sometimes she says, hmm, You know, the world just keeps going and changing, and it does. Let's get back to that storm. It's 14, turning 15 in June. I don't know everything. My sister's 15, and she's looking around. She says, something's changed. Something's going on. He's never at home. It was quiet, but on... Eggshells quiet, not like when my father first died. And the storm that blew in was more colder than with my father, life with an alcoholic. A different coldness, true coldness almost, indifferent, unbending, unyielding. Cutting yards and tending to a plot of land, someone let my stepfather plant vegetables. Yet my mom grew up on a farm in Alabama, as most black people did of her time. One particular night, he was extremely late. It's spring and summer, it's humid. I can recall things pretty much of how I dress through the weather. Through the weather or music can help me relive and remember. It was warm, and it was getting late, dust, as my mother used to call it. Close up things out here. Get those balls and stuff you girls have been playing with outside. Take those two chunks of water cooler bottles. Put them in the freezer so you girls will have water tomorrow morning. And the next thing I knew, she didn't say a word to me. My mother put on her house shoes and left. Short time after, she's in her car pulling up to the garage, and following her is Walter, bringing in from his spoils of the garden he's now creating, a bag no no bigger than what we get at McDonald's or Burger King for our Jumbo Jacks, Big Mac special. Now, in essence, guys, not a big bag, okay? A few tomatoes, really? We know the story right now. While I'm pushing 60, I think I know the story. He found a girlfriend, a woman. He's cheating. Oh, oh, his indiscretions now were just a little different than my father. 
but the same. Something else, something else changed too. Mary and I were still teenagers, and unlike a lot of our half sister and niece and aunts that lived, you know, as young girls, we didn't even smoke cigarettes. That's the one thing my mother said. I'm so glad that my daughters, I don't have to talk to them about not smoking. They don't smoke. I didn't take my mother's cigarettes since I, after my dad died. I stopped all my, you know, boyish ways, uh, or as they say sometimes, girls disappear. I stepped into the formality of what was required of girls, especially church girls, and left all my father and his raising and what I saw living through an alcoholic behind. So there was no more playing pity pack in the church, pick up the jacks. There was not, no more stealing my neighbor's bottles or throughout the street to change them for soda pop. No more going in my mom's church, uh, purse, everyone. I never stole money. I never stole money, but I stole cigarettes and smoked them. I was out there, okay? I was really, really a very, very naughty girl. I grew out of that. <laughs> Why was he running late? Let me tell you what changed. Right, this had to be the spring now, 1976, bicentennial year. I'll never forget it. The quarters were out. $2 bill was out. Everybody's talking about it. Everyone happy. Bicentennial year of the United States of America, 1976. Let me tell you something else that changed. When they drove back that day, you think it was back put on track right, right as rain? Oh, hail to the now. Something really changed. Mama began sharing the front room by herself. A new bed came in upstairs with us girls. My mama on her table began asking my sister, go ahead and uh, bring in your uh, suitcase record player. My little sisters had an easy play, open and close. And she said, no, no, the speakers, that doesn't sound good. Get the suitcase one. It sounds a little better. Mary still had her record player. My mother's pulling out jazz albums, blues albums. No, she wasn't drinking. Sometimes, um, not alcohol, all the time. A lot of times a can filled 50-50, the grapefruit soda. I still buy them if they have them here. Or 7-Up. But the main thing is my mother's primarily upstairs for quite a few months. Upstairs with us. They didn't sleep in the same room. I talked to her. Rather she be in the bathtub to wash her back with soap. I'd ask her questions. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget the last year talking with my mother. I never knew that would be the last year I would see her, touch her, talk to her. I didn't see it coming. I did notice my mom was losing weight. We all did. So much weight that her dentures shifted. I don't know if she really came up here. She put it with bad teeth. She just said, I really think it could have been saved uh, had I had more money in the South have to take care of my teeth. She said I go back to Chicago. They, back then, they didn't fill them. They pulled them out. And she said quite a few in the 50s and stuff began coming out. 
sister, but truly, if she had taken better care of them as a kid, she might have had all of them. But she said that was the thing of the South. Nobody had any money. No one did. I didn't understand. I know I was 15 and all of a sudden wanted to go back in time sometimes. More sadness, difficulty. What was that coldest in that storm entering our house? Something wasn't quite right. I can look back at it and know going to dinner, going to school, going to church. It was like going through the motions, but something was absent from it. It wasn't happy. Joy was not in that house anymore. It was almost a depression, quiet. It was tension in that house. Trying to gloss it over, but it was tension in that house. My mother continued to lose weight. She didn't look well. About the only time my stepfather was gleefully enjoying, if you want to call it a meal with my mother, is when he was wiping all the time with the same dishcloth, a coffee cup. He would serve coffee in the morning. I don't know. He might have done it all the time, but it was just that last year. Why did it bother me so much? Summer's coming and came. Our Aunt Ruth that we didn't care for too much, who was very different than my mother, younger than her, but different, was driving her brand-new Ford Granada, powder blue. I don't know what's going on, but our mother used to tell us. Between Ruth and us, we both, that was probably our favorite color, baby blue, powder blue. Ruth always liked it, and so did I. Bathing my mother one night, this time she did have a glass of Logan David. And Mary said, Mom, why don't you have that a glass when you're in the bathtub? That's what rich women do. And she just looked up, okay, well, fill the bubbles, let's do it. My mother said something that I'll never forget. You girls, everybody think Lorenzo was the worst man in the world. This different kind of man. And I'm here to tell you, he wasn't the worst. The worst are the ones that pretend and hide behind the word of God. But who they truly, truly are is wicked. And at that moment, I knew without certainty, my mother was talking about the stepfather. I knew it. could feel it. He withheld affection, attention. He gave so much of nothing. It's brutal. My mother died, I feel, of a broken heart. She continued to lose weight and lose her hair and fed what was in that coffee to make my mother look so bad. My Aunt Ruth suspected embalming fluid, Walter's best friend, Coleman and William's funeral home. My mother was surrounded by perps and vipers and didn't even know it. I even read documents when I wanted to go back in the family estate, so to speak, and see the forgery of my mother's signature. He's aced in a house of five years of marriage, her four biological daughters in which the house was bought before marriage 
are aced out. I told you guys the story of the animal kingdom. Whenever the lioness and her cubs, but the lioness goes to war and is killed, that tribe of lions will take those cubs, now will scatter and be at the tail end of the entire tribe of lions. The tail end signifies to anybody in the animal kingdom, that's your prey. That's where a predator is going to go for, because they know there ain't no lioness, or as we think it's human beings, ain't no moth going to fight for her cubs. It's easy to take it in one glance to say what happens when you legally become an orphan. But I'm here tonight to to tell you humanly, spiritually, emotionally what happens. When both parents are deceased and the child is not of legal age, that being 18 years old, you have no... You are at the end of the line, the tail end. Open for predators. No more concern. No more counsel. I was never one of those women that was rah, rah, rah when women or men took pride of I have my kids and I raised them because I'm quietly thinking. Again, they don't know I'm a surviving orphan. I'm quietly thinking, you MF, you're supposed to. Didn't you when you birth them? Aren't they yours? Aren't there your responsibility to age 18? What is there to... I didn't. I never understood their stats. Show me a man and woman that takes one in that's not theirs and raises as their own. Now, I will salute you. That's special. I know many of you have heard the story. We were in, transported in August of 77 into Los Angeles. No, no, no. I'm going too fast. No, no. There was a quietening and deadening. Mm. There was a bittersweet with my mom. The look in her eyes. Betrayal. Shame. Embarrassment, shock, all blended in. I know that look because I too have had that look a few times in my life. The look of discovering your mate or your love interest has betrayed you. You know what's the faster way to the grave is truly a broken heart? It is. Some of us that, some of us that want love so very much, and how we will compromise standards in order to appease and keep our mate. How many of us, even in our community, have had to compromise being targets? having to be quiet and ashamed of what we're going through in order to hold on to our family interest. It may it, it may not be any of you hearing me right now, but I've heard a little bit of everything in this community. 
some of us have children. We're not allowed to talk about it. Parents, siblings, co-workers, churchgoers, society in itself. This year program, it really isn't anything new. How it mocks us and ridicules us. It's as if it's a filthy, dirty, wash rag. Humanity wiping itself on me. And all I want to do is scream and get clean. My sister, older sister, stopped her studies and all of a sudden discovered, as you want to call it, sex. Promiscuity. She's getting erect in such a small town. My younger sister's coming home a little bit lazier. My mother weaning, getting sicker. Walter, where the hell was he? He was never at home. He and my younger aunt took my mother away. September 26th. That morning, September 27th, 1976, my mother, age 52, died. Six in the morning. When I say I'm going too far, time for me to get to Los Angeles. Much happened after my mother's death. The so-called adults made arrangements. Churchgoers, neighbors, friends. Starting that afternoon and through the rest of the week, people were coming in, leaving Tupperwares, containers of food, KFC chicken, Nothing was discussed with us kids. Nothing. Her in-laws began to pour in the same outrageous Harper wig-wearing sisters, Aunt Fanny and Aunt Ruth, arrived now flying back in from California. Minus the Harpo wig. My mother's youngest sister still lived here in town, Aunt Mildred. She's about, she's born in 1948, 76, about 28. She was just asked with money to go to the mall and buy us clothes for their wake and we'll have a funeral down south. Well, Mildred bought clothes all right, but they were not appropriate for a wake or funeral. Um... I don't know. It was something really crazy. Ty died and something maybe one of my sisters picked out. It was some kind of weird daishiki and head wrap. And our aunts from California just shook their head, give us the receipt, and we went back to the mall and we were all fitted one way or the other with, you know, uh, in the hue of black dresses with just a little hint of color. Uh, Demir funeral um, and low heel pumps. Um, we were told September it could still burn hot. Uh, Mary's um, suitcase record player, I feel like the damn thing played all week 
long. Now the ants were upstairs with the six girls. Ugh. Music all night long blaring, and mainly from the cabinet of my mother's older records, and my father's too. Howlin' Wolf, B.B. King, you know the whole story, damn it, you guys. And a drinking affair. We were constantly uh, ordered up, up the stairs constantly for bowls of ice, wash the dishes in there, and always wash and mop out the bathroom. We were their maids. We were told to get our little suitcases together after the wake, and we were getting going to go immediately after the wake, get in our cars in the middle of the night and start driving down south for the proper funeral. The food would pour in. We had to clean up downstairs and vacuum. Again, friends, family, even some of my older sister's teachers were coming by the night of the wake. We were all each told to take a bath and get clean, start dresses on and go to our mother's wake go downstairs and help out, but basically stay out of the way. Walter, on the day of the wake, what this said, the four faces of generational targeting. Walter's our stepfather, married mama, August 1971 to September 27, 1976. Remember those dates, matured over five years. Let me tell you the relevancy of that. Most United States marriages prematured after five years. Your spouse can get what? Some money if there is um, real estate involved. I want this really said to you guys. It's not that we would get all the things in trust. I want you to understand something. But after five years buying the house and married to her legally, Walter could get a portion, do you understand, a portion of the estate. Now, he went for the whole enchilada. Hear me real clear. He forged my mother's signature because when I went back in to fight him and noticed some papers while I lived in California, the signatures didn't match. She had a very elaborate, beautiful handwriting. And this quick deed was signed chicken shit, okay? It's forged. He got an attorney, I got an attorney. At this time, I'm over 40 myself. Let me pause. I'll, I'll make a show of that as well, you guys. I'm at the point now I want everyone to know everything because I'm trying to get in a good place. I'm tired with this program of being scared. I'm tired of hearing others, their emotionality. Everything I hear 90% of the time on these calls, and if I have to pull away and ask, is it with strategy or is it with emotionality? And I'm afraid it's the latter. Plan should be delivered calmly. Whatever issues we are in must be addressed calmly. I've heard from many, but some are hitting on point. Despite anything, we come, we may come together as a hundred, but against our foe, we have to come together as one. 
Again, I want to thank all of you for listening to my commentary. And I will continue it. Again, whenever I do interviews or commentaries, I want to get all the information out. And after commence, we'll open the calls for questions and answers. My generational targeting may be of a is a perspective by my being African American, but that does not discount any listening to me. Generational targeting is generational targeting. However, the perspective that being of someone's cultural, ethnicity, racially may be a little different. The enemy of this program is always going to outline it, especially to make it ever more covert to make the suffering and torture applicable to one's race and culture, socioeconomic status. That way it doesn't stick out sort of like a red herring, you know. Again, in the future, I'd be more inter- very interested in doing interviews and hearing and learning of other nationalities and cultures that feel strongly that they are generationally targeted. We have now appropriate dress code. The ants that came from afar, California, are here. It's Thursday evening, the night of my mother's wake. The time of it, I believe, was 6 or 7 p.m. It was early evening. My stepfather, conveniently, was gone all day. I don't know if anyone really noticed. However, when my aunt, who was now working at U.S. Steel, had to work a shift that day to get off, my aunt had to get in my mom's car to figure out how to get to the mall here. She didn't know where she left. She just help you girls are going to have to get in the car with me too because I don't know where I'm going. In the meantime, my other aunt wanted to sign up and get the flowers and check the headstone. Now that things are filled out, another neighbor had to take her. And quietly, they're all asking, where is Walter? Where is Walter? Well, people are gathering in. It's about 3, 4 o'clock. We have a couple of hours to get to the church for the for the wake. My Aunt Ruth, who I believe as we looked at each other, let's put it this way. A huge bottle of Johnny Walker Red was consumed because between my sisters, we went up those stairs about four or five times with bowls of ice, guys. So I'm just going to say it this much. I believe she was quite, quite drunk. Sitting in the bathtub. And the last, slurring kind of, but the last thing she said is, I want you girls, one of you... Run up these stairs the minute Walter gets here. Do you understand me? The minute he gets here. See, Walter did drive up, guys, about 4 o'clock. And he first came in and says, I, I got to get dressed and stuff. We got to get to the church. One of my younger sisters ran up the stairs, of course, told my aunt. Well, uh, um, aunt Ruth, Walter's back right now. She jumped out of the bathtub, you guys, barely covered with a robe. Soap suds are all on the floor and down the stairs. 
through the small groups of people. And the first thing she screamed out to him, motherfucker, you could hear a pen drop. My father's brother, Uncle Gene, stared and took a cigarette out of his front pocket and went outside. And as he put it, lighting it, that's Junie Ruth. I've known her all my life. She hasn't changed at all. She screamed and yelled. It was awful. It was awful. I don't think anyone was really prepared for that. During the entire week, she would interject the preacher. Speaking of positive adventures of my mother, what a wonderful helper she was to the community. She knew her place as a Christian. My aunt was shouting, what the fuck was her play? In church, in the church, in the church. And as we bundled up in various cars to drive down to Alabama to properly put my mom away in her place of birth, Northport slash Tuscaloosa, Alabama, they were Twin Cities, we had to endure the berating, abusive conversation. It was another overnight trip with a funeral. This time my Aunt Fanny pretended to faint at my mother's casket, visiting my mother's casket. Other people ran up. It was elaborate. I believe she was faking it. Jesus' sake, discovered that. And ever subsequently, these two sisters had a physical brawl outside the funeral home that proceeded to go outside into the red hills of Alabama soil, tossing and turning, wearing their finest funeral black, late 40s, 150, 148 years old, tumbling like a bunch of drunken boys. The fight was separated. Our Aunt Fanny from California got in someone's car to go home, and Ruth cut through, as she put it, through some patchwork and ended up at my father's sister's kind of whiskey-like bar thing in the woods, Aunt Quiffy owned. My aunt had sticks and stuff. They offered to sew her dress that got torn. She didn't care. She just wanted uh, some shine, moonshine, and proceeded to get very, very drunk. The funeral was Saturday, Sunday morning early, crack of dawn. Headed back north on 65. Headed back north, Memphis, going up to the interchange of Chicago, head back to Indiana. Roughly about a 10 and a half to 11 hour drive. Okay. We made a loop, if you want to call it that. They were still hostile, hungover. Monday, Tuesday, until my stepfather said, well, I guess the girls will stay here. And uh, then they got happy. It's almost like they had this fighting attitude. Who to deal with this? Their dead sister at 52 and four girls. Now the oldest is 16 and the youngest is 10. No one wanted us. Back to that animal kingdom. Okay? Homo sapiens, you know, we can say we're human beings, but uh, press us under a pressure belt. We all come out quite primal like animals. We really do. 
They were happy, almost gleefully. Now they're getting boxes to send you here, taking my mother's things to spoil. Happy. And the next thing I knew, they skedaddled out of our lives. Little by the 1st of October, and I never saw any either one of them until about a year or so later. Again, I'd like to thank all of you giving me opportunity to understand the dynamics of generational targeting. Many handlers or people will be turned handlers in our family. Many of us were not um, generational. How to know if you are, it's, I've always expressed, there's bad luck. But remember, bad luck is like good luck. It's just in spouts and stuff. When you're generational targeting, it's like a conditional, like seasons of bad luck, like a hulk of depression on the home, like constant two steps forward is four steps back. And it's constant, the pressing on a family. It never is a light or a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That is when you know what you're going through is more generational. Um, addictions in the family, addictions from parents more than likely will be picked up by child. We don't know what's in us, but we pick up dysfunctional men or women. Looking back on our generational, did our parents, were they only presented with dysfunctional human beings? Remember when they send a lot of people to us, they're not sending them to us, everyone, in our best interest. Never in our best interest. I will be concluding soon. Again, I'd like to thank you for your hesitation with all presentations and interviews. It is uh, usually the uh, setting that if the room is quiet, you save all your questions, comments, until the commence, like all lectures, and then we will open up to question and answer. At this time, if you have any, I'm going to close momentarily. If you have any questions or answers, go ahead on you. If you called in, star two, I'll see your hand raised, star two. We'll open you up one at a time. I've heard other, um, I think for us to absorb information, we need to always hear one another so we don't step on one another and gain better understanding. Did it matter? I um, I doubt that there are few targets that are not generational. When you're targeted and you're a perp and the coldness, the coldness, colder than, than my father even, what did my mother mean when I'm washing her back with soap and water? That my father was not the 
meanest man in the world. I ponder over that and a few things actually in my life. Like I, I was her second born. I was my mother's child, what she always said about me. You watch, you look, you listen, and then when you're ready, then you'll speak. I'm trying very much, but I have a lot of racing in me, as you can obviously see. I have the impetuous temper and wrath of my aunt. I apologize for that, but that was over me. I have the patience and long-suffering of Job as my mother. I have the uncouthness of my father. And then I have me. So you understand something? As I go over my own life, I'm an improbable woman. Not that this damn program cared about, but I'm I'm a survivor, but an improbable woman. I will not give my enemy what it wants. Fear, scared to burn public, talk about boo-boo the perp. No, no, no brothers and sisters listening to me out here. We've had enough of the same old shit from all these other calls. Hang out, maybe you can get an interview and talk about what I have for dinner. I don't think so. I don't think so. Time. If anyone has any questions or comments, we're now opening up the call. Are there things that I wish I could do different? I don't know. All I know is when that storm blew in, right at January of 1976, it blew in. And what did that storm overall remind me of? This program, how it blew in. Oh, hell yes, I was generational targeted. You bet. And when you're just a pawn to be used for a handler, what did they promise my stepfather, a house after five years? To take from an insecure, struggling, scuffling woman with four babies? He went for it. You don't think this program is going to steal candy from a baby? Look at the way they shoot. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. They expect most of us to constantly, constantly hear. We have to fight as one. You cannot be naive to think a few billboards is going to get you out of persecution. We're still not coming together as one. We're not listening to older people, marginalized people that know what it's like to be treated indifferent. You're still trying to come at this uh, with a lot of us that we have freedom, not understanding it. And the targeted community is still going completely the opposite fucking direction when it says civil rights. It cannot even mobilize its people to be civil rights. It's a liar. And on that day, returning back, and I watched that hesitation, that final hesitation. When you go to funerals, and they're lowering the casket in to like a delay, and then it clicks and it goes down even faster. That is that first time when I lost my mom that I cried because I knew with certainty I would never see her again. There would never be anyone to hug or talk to that would listen to me with this type of patience or attention. I have no hesitation of going deep. 
I have no fear of that. I'm not scared of my feelings, much less anyone's feelings. I want to make friends with my feelings. I want no more phantoms spooking me, scaring me. I told all of you, since you know, on my podcast, I get very bored. This program is boring. The minute I make friends and understand my past and try to put myself back whole again and whatever life has dealt me to try to free myself, unfuck myself, I have a chance of winning. Doing positively absolutely nothing, I lose and I know I'll die. that everyone I'd like to thank you for listening to me we're getting ready to open up everyone with um, uh, questions answers and uh, our portion of uh, generational targeting everyone so give me a moment here and we'll open up Hi, you're at the right place. Yeah. Lauren, talk to you. What's going on? Come on. I will be on Talk to You Wednesday, that's right, the 22nd of August at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Call 144-771. Breaking it down, meet Jack, targeted individuals with innovative styles, candid topics, and progressive activism to not only fight, but really fight. We want a one-two punch to knock out our opposition. So, let's get back on the other side of the brain. The four faces of echo. That's right. Generational targeting. Okay, 929 has a question. Good evening, 929. Hello? I'm sorry, 929, do you have a question? Oh, let me see if I can. 929, do you have a question? Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Good evening. Hi. Uh, that was Hi. an amazing, amazing memoir of your life. You, um, There were so many details that... Uh, I think uh, you were really able to concentrate when it was muted. You know what, Faith? Faith from everyone, this is Faith from Gotham, a wonderful friend, a wonderful woman, by the way. Um, thank you so much, Faye. I, I really, after yes, last night, I wanted to make it a point of bringing this out to you guys tonight. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing everything to keep it muted because I'm really trying to, I want you to really sort of walk with me and see what I was seeing at that age. And I and almost like I have to have it muted and guys have to get in that zone. Well, there, it was, it was really like hearing a novel. Oh, my God, thank um, I, you. Uh, yes, it was very interesting from the moment you started it. Thank you, Faye. Um, that's a very fine thing. 
I I wanted to mention that you had you had said a couple things that I, I had not heard before. Sure, if you have any questions. The fact that your paternal grandmother was part Native American. She was on my father's side. Yeah. I'm just wondering, was she half Native American? Um, I don't know what tribe actually she was, and I don't really know if most of the family were pretty, um, you know, it was pretty much a, a dead clampet, um, black style. Um, I don't know what tribe she was from, but you can look at her and tell she was totally half and half, and, um, she was just, she was amazing. She always had like a mean streak, but all of a sudden she'd come out of the kitchen and serve us ice cream and stuff, you know what I'm saying? You know, frowning, but with the kids, she would be kind of nice to us almost surprised me. Peculiar woman, and I think about it. It was a little girl. She wasn't much on conversation, just nod and look at look at you. And it was always sort of mean, but yet she'll turn around and do something really nice, candy and ice cream. And, you know, so it's kind of confusing as a child. Right. Well, I think that um, there's probably a lot of unanswered questions that could be answered from your father's side. Um uh, and uh, you're saying that your grandmother, maybe he took after your grandmother like she wasn't very vocal, probably with him growing up either. Um, I think you're right with most of the family. My mom, when she talked, was more social, although it was really odd to see the moods of my mother that last, last year before she died, actually, that September. She was different. She wasn't mean or moody, but late at night after everything was fulfilled, she was very quiet upstairs now with us, you know, listening to our music, her music, everyone's music, you know. Well, it's possible that maybe the, um, the perps put um, your put something in your stepfather's life to keep him away. I know in my own experience uh, with my marriage, it seems like the perps were always keeping him away in many ways. So it's possible they did that with him. Um, I wonder if it was because he acted very perpy. I mean, when you still think about it, no matter who we are now, and just three of us survived. Our older sister died in 1986, but and I'm getting ready to be re reunited with our, the sister between Lillian and I, our ages. We still say that same thing and look at each other. Where was he all day on the wake of his wife, the death of her. Yeah. Where was he all day? I'm talking about a room full of people, uh, you know, neighbors, family. Uncle Jeans was even born before my father. I think he's born in 1919 because my father was born in 1921. My mother, 1924. When he lit that cigarette, he even said, why is she acting like this? For God's sake, I've never seen it in my life when someone dies. There's white people in that house. He said it just like that. And they went, uh, it might be the kids' teachers and stuff. He said, but why would she talk like that? Why would she? He kept saying she's always been ignorant. Ignorant. That that was my Aunt Ruth. And that's another story, you guys, that I will continue of the reason my sisters and I uh, subsequently, as of August 1977, were relocated to Los Angeles. But she didn't come back there to get us. I want you guys to know that. She came back to Michigan City, Indiana, out of concern for her father. Our grandfather was by that time in a convalescent home, and as my aunt put it, totally being medically neglected. That's the word she used in 77, neglected. 
she came to see, she came back again to see him, didn't like the conditions, already making um, arrangements to have him on a flight. His leg, he had lost a leg, either falling, you know, with liquor in him, but he had sugar some kind of way, and it was he was an amputee by that time. He did not look like the grandfather that my mom picked up at, at the train station in Chicago and brought him over here. So it was, uh, it was a, you know... It was very, very bad. And then she realized the last-minute thought, the girls don't look well here. I'm taking them back to Los Angeles. But we really shouldn't have went with her. She didn't even have a job. And she wasn't checked out. This is still the 70s, and I don't think that they really checked out uh, caretakers for families as much as they do. I don't know what they're doing now. But she should have been checked out more is what I'm saying. You know. And something else bothered me that I forgot. I really have to admit, everyone, I don't do well on testimonies. My mother didn't look, the remains of my mother didn't look like herself. And I know we don't when we die, it's different. But also in the shifting from the plane this time, you know, in her casket, she had sunken down and they didn't even at the church or funeral home properly pull her back up. You know what I'm saying? In her resting place. It's as if my mother, I want to add that, my mother was buried with no dignity. That's a good way to put it. And my older sister and baby sister did not like the headstone of her, you know, her remains. It was not worded properly. And she said they should have asked her daughters. We would have done that a better job. Something Ethel, May, Kane, and then did an inch with Field or Middle East. My, mother, my sisters kept saying that's not right. So I feel like her remains were done uh, like you would take orders from a boss. It was something to get done. He was already moving on with his life. But uh, say, I want to thank you for listening. And I hope each and every time, everyone, I will try to do my best. Uh, but I can't stress it enough. Testimonies are a little hard. And, you know, but I appreciate all of your patience. And uh, if any of you have questions and details, I'd be more than happy to answer. Our life, all of our lives are like a stain. We know we get stains on our carpeting, on our clothes, but the human life has a stain. A stain can be, a, a stain is a stain. I wonder what else she meant. Did she fully explain this aspect or not? Getting to know another person and what they lived in in their life is a very challenging task. It can be done, but I won't lie and say it's not challenging. This program will give us vectors of happiness. Think of it sometimes like a roller coaster ride. When the highs are highs, they're probably on octane. But when the lows are lows, they're completely low. And I do believe when we're tapped on the shoulder, you're it. This thing they call a program. Um, they are attempting to ride us as subterranean low. I don't really, you know, think that's a good idea, everyone. I just don't. I don't know how this could possibly help us 
and the future of our fight, but I believe I'm trying I'm trying to understand this program. If I get more understanding, I feel I can fight better. Is there any other questions you wanted to know, Faye? Um, I just I find it fortunate that you you and your sisters did not experience any child abuse because there has been a podcast recently that shows a city very close to the city you grew up in. And mm-hmm. it was a whole town, uh, and they had major abuse of children there. You know, I feel that kind of fortunate, too. Although my sister has uh, the youngest with this oyster skull, they constantly say we were touched as children, we were molested, we were sex trafficked. I don't have the evidence to prove it, but in my conscious memory, did my father sexually touch me? No. Did my stepfather sexually touch me? No. I asked Lillian and Tanya. They're going, no, no. But things were attempted with my Aunt Ruth and the and her man that she lived with for almost 15 or 20 years, Uncle Oscar. My half-sister was sexually abused by her stepfather in the South Alabama. And... Um, you know, I think I should do a, um, another show, Faye, that you asked that, because um, the peculiarities of um, child abuse, when you're marked like that, they, men, especially unlearned, uh, marginalized men, it seems like they do vulgarities that they sort of think about. Uh, and so much that I would tell you, I have a half-sister born in 1942. So, you know, she's quite a bit older than me, guys, almost 20. I'm 57. She's about 76, I believe. In fact, I think she's the same year as Aretha Franklin was born. Same age, guys. So it's still overall uh, the early 50s. Check it out. She's up here from Alabama. And what she's told me before, when I lived with her, like 1980 or 81, they had, I was in Jewel. Chicago. I was going shopping with her. She said, go get a few, you know, about four or five bars of soap this week, you know, for the family. She had a husband and three kids. So I came back. She didn't tell me what kind, you guys. And I came back and I said, they have dial gold, um, two for a dollar. And she said, no, put that back. I won't buy that. I said, oh, then later that night, she's smoking a cigarette. She always had mental health issues. But she called me in. She calls me by my middle name, Kay. She said, do do you know why I asked you to put that dial gold dial soap back. I said, um, you just said you didn't want it or something. I just thought you guys didn't like that brand. No, no, no. It's not about the soap, but yet it is. In 1952, your mother and father uh, took me over to um, one of his, one of my mother's brother's house. And they, you see, they were all getting dressed to go out to a, a blues place. And then they said, Hank, Uncle Hank, that's your Aunt Ruth's boyfriend at the time. He's working late, but when he comes in, he's just going to go ahead and take a wash up real quick and, and um, get back on that train and meet us at this club, and we'll all have the car and take him home. She said he did get off at the mill. They did make a cot for me because it was cold for Chicago. Your Aunt Ethel had me on a cot with a blanket. Uh, we ate, and she gave me a couple of candy bars, and they had a small TV that they put on the kitchen table so I could watch TV or fall asleep to it. I heard him come in. He looked at me, and then he said, where's everybody? Oh, they're waiting for me at the club. Kay, he 
I thought I heard the bath water run, and I didn't think nothing of it. He's getting dressed to go out. She said he came back almost like he had barely shaved. He had his hands still soapy, holding the bar of gold dial soap. He was naked and playing with himself. They ejaculated on my sister's body. She was at the time 16. So it had been like 1956, 57. It's about right. She's never liked between that and he touched her stomach, navel area with that. And she said it was between that and the, the suds from the dial soap. She's never cared for dial soap. And she looked at me and told me, I never told my husband or my kids. I come from a peculiar legacy of secrets, you see. Sometimes I wonder, were we not told? Sometimes even talking, my sister would talk to me. You're like my daughters, Kate. You have a big mouth. You would fight. You would talk. You would tell. And men that do this to girls or kids, that's one of the reasons they don't touch a lot of children. So that might be something to do with it. I have a big mouth. Because you guys, I, I am too much, you guys. I'm, not, I'm kind of out there. Not. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. I would not call me some big, strong woman, but um, I do talk a lot, yeah. I want to show about this because sometimes in targeting and programming, whatever slander they also hear, they also hear in trafficking victims, you can do anything you want to them. Subsequently, a lot of trafficking victims have had sexual abuse as well. What I'm saying is I think it runs gamut in this in this entire program, so to speak. It's horrible and, and, and shocking as it may sound. It does happen. It is happening. No. What worries me, though, is if things that worked out, would I have just been, you know, manipulated by some handler, who knows, to get married and subsequently have some type of pervert in my family? This animal, this rapist or pedophile or pervert, I want you guys to understand something. They will come into high echelons family that live and dwell in majestic castles like the Taj Mahal, but it will also slither in impoverished huts. What I'm saying is there's I don't think there's any social status or racial status that matters. It can be well-bred or illiterate. They're a pedophile. They're a pedophile. So that's what's really going on. Um, um, it's very shocking. of what we're going through and dealing with. And um, I hope we can pick it up later. And 
again, I can't stress it enough for all of you, showing up tonight and uh, really needed some type of, and I'm glad all of you uh, thought enough to come. I needed some type of redemption, you see, because I knew I wanted to bring this to life. And the more and more I discuss my life, hopefully that will inspire all of you listening that it will tap in your life. I, and those are subsequently we can figure out if any of us were actually generational or not. There's no relevance, but yet there is relevance, you know what I mean? Because I'm thinking generational just in the simple forms. If, uh, you know, I've been hanging out in one family to harm, why not, you know, continue it? That's why I think we're gen- a lot of us could be generational. I've, I've already messed up your parents' life enough. Let me now try to, you know, reach for the kids. So I I do believe it happens. Is there any other, Dave Gotham, do you have any other questions or comments at this time? No, but thank you for that story. That just shows you how something can happen in a split second. And uh, that um, uh, nowadays, that uh, attitude of getting away with anything, uh, people seem to fall for that all the time, even if they're young people. So thanks for... Um, that story about your stepsister. Oh, I know, I know. She's, she has really suffered, all of you guys. She's much older than I am. And even as a young woman, married to three children, south side of Chicago, beautiful home at the time. God smiled on her financially. But I do believe quietly in my own thing. And even seeing the ways of my sister, he smiled on her financially, a nice, nicer life than my mom had. Nicer life. I feel that it has haunted my sister not to bring these things out to life. You know what I mean? She didn't marry a bad guy or abusive guy. I always look back on it and always sort of shake my head. I wish Dorothy Jean had been just a little bit more honest. She could have been really vocal on that south side of Chicago to talk about pedophilia, incest. These Trust me when I say that. These perverts slither into various homes. I'm not lying. They can be white or black, rich or poor, educated, uneducated. Some women are completely don't know what's going on. A lot of women do, unfortunately. And it's sad. Okay. Keeping their dirty secrets as women, uh, it wipes off on our on a woman's ethics and morality. You have to understand. And as we learn and keep gathering in this program, to for one to attain their ethics and morals are going to be hard. I question sometimes in this community when they are severely tortured, you know what I mean, how much would they possibly sell another out, everyone, in order to reduce their torture. I've heard stories, especially in the trafficking, but who's to say that's not done at, at all levels? The work that we do here is important. Trying to connect ourselves and make ourselves whole is important. The more we can connect connect ourselves, we're almost becoming, pulling away from being a victim, a targeted individual as saying, I am victimized by this program and I want to fight it in every stance. The more we learn, the more... Um, I hope, well, maybe we are treated by the more we learn. But 
just by sheer ignorance, they can manipulate us uh, emotionally. In essence, keep us weak. In essence, emotion, keeping us all in that emotional state to keep us weak. Make us feel like we don't have a chance to fight. No one's going to believe us. You know what I mean? And then subsequently just have calls and stuff about what you had for dinner. You know what I mean? And um, keep us calm, I guess, before, you know, the slaughter, perhaps. This is a kill program. But I don't want... I've been generational and manipulated, and I'm now, as we all are, awoke and conscious. We certainly don't want this, you know, the... We want to put up a fight. What else can I say? We want to put up a fight. I will write in a notebook uh, to pick up the four faces of my mom, Ethel. And I will, in a few weeks, everyone, I will try to do the recap, maybe with um, just a selected audience to do the uh, Passion of Ethel. Um, as you guys can tell, I don't know where it stands and stuff, but uh, it sounds to me that um, talk shoe can be quite hacked, you know. And in the meantime, um, we will continue our activism and fighting. And at this point, too, uh, there was shifting gears. Uh, you can have it now more of an open call or questions. And if you have curiosity or questions, if you are generational, uh, I want to keep hearing my podcast as always. If you're not learning and growing, you're not getting stronger. Okay? You can go to the support calls if you wish, the coddle calls. But has it bared fruit? Has it made you stronger? With our critical thinking skills and we become stronger, we become whole. We're less weird and odd the way the enemy wants you. We now possess our social, civilized, assimilated skills, which means we can breathe in and handle business. We're not all weird. We're exercising our critical thinking. We're not having that ridiculous stuttering and everything going on. We understand that they want to move us emotionally. We're stubborn and defiant. No, we're moving logically. So it kills their game in essence. And who, who does not want to retain all of their, you know, faculties? Nobody's stuttering and dithering here. We're not doing that. So actually, in essence, it does work. And it what connects us as human beings to be whole. It's even almost my prayer is that we're connected so much we're more powerful and better than before we were targeted. I said it. I said it just like that. Okay? Go ahead and let the masses be stuttering and follow the so-called Pied Piper. Okay? Because all they're doing is pacifying you. You know you're more intelligent than that. When real questions are answered on, asked on these calls, you're shut down immediately. That should already tell you something's wrong with that. Sport and life. Something's wrong with that. Okay? And the opportunities that we have now that maybe our parents or grandparents didn't have. We have computer, we have telephone groups and forums that we can talk about this. Do you imagine how our parents and grandparents would have 
seize the opportunity to have a community that can talk and find, figure out what the heck is going on. You just know that you're by yourself and life treats you pretty badly. A lot of decent souls were lost to this program. And they may win. Heck, I don't know. But I'm not doing it without a good fight. That's what I do know, everyone. I'm not doing it without a good fight. I guess guest 13, guest 1 might have laid that Renata's character comes off a bit. You know, I'm going to type that back in. I don't talk bad um, overall to uh, a lot of people in the chat, but guest 13, I don't really have a problem whatsoever with Renata, and I definitely don't feel she's a perp, unlike others in this community that are right now. She's very candid, very uh, outspoken of how she feels. She doesn't interfere with anybody. And if asked a question, she doesn't evade it or say it's positive or negative, like a lot of moderators do. So I think all of you need to put your thinking cap and kind of start questioning, what are the attributes of a perp and what's the attributes of not a perp? Again, if you're not thinking on my call, I'm going to hang it up and quit right now because I don't, I don't have time to talk about when my dog died or what I had for dinner. And truth has never been an issue like other moderators of what's positive or negative. Truth is truth. I was raised in my mom's house to always speak the truth or fall for every lie. Okay? So I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't need to um, talk a lot of gibberish, you know what I mean? Flying saucers and stuff. Again, you can go, you can go to, I want to call them one faceted support calls. You've only heard one. You can hang up your phone and call an hour later, and the other one picks up the same way. What's that about? So. So, at this point now, does anyone have any questions or comments? Go ahead and start to. I can see you on the board. Okay. Again, everyone, it's what I'm trying to stress to. We don't. We've got too much work. We're in a kill program. We don't really need to be talking negative or not about other moderators. I, I'm when I'm in the zone, giving you my testimony. I'm really giving it to you. If you want something more, um, scratch the surface and shallow. You, you, you've got those calls out there to go to. You know where to go for that. You know where to go for that. Two o two. Do you have a question or comment? You know what? I hear, see the hand. Hi, go ahead, 202. You have a question or comment. Go ahead. Um, I actually have both, but um, real quick, the question I had, I was wondering um, if maybe you have any, you know, your family has any association with the military, um, and I'm wondering, like, how many target individuals in general may have connections to the military, you know, them or their family members? Um, that, uh, what I heard, my father had something, um, on a farm, hog farm in Alabama. He messed up his arm. So for World War II, he was rejected, actually, for military. My mother's brother, I believe, was in the military, but not in my immediate family. No military that I'm aware of. 
Okay. You know yeah, what I mean? Um, yeah, I had, I mean, you know, my grandfather was in World War Two, and that's my connection. But basically, uh, I have been targeted generationally, um, targeted since birth and generationally, um, I believe primarily because of my DNA. And so um, I'm African-American also. Um, um, RH negative, I'm AD negative. I have an extremely rare blood type. And so um, just looking back over my life, I see how, yeah, they've been doing non-consensual human experimentation like way longer than, you know, I thought all of this happened after some whistleblower situation on my job. But when I look back over my life, I'm like, oh, no, the non-consensual human experimentation has been going on a long time. Um, I'm sure that my grandfather was being subjected to, both my grandparents were being subjected to the radiation and everything as well. Um, my grandfather mm-hmm. ended up developing leukemia and dying from it. Um, and then both my mother and I are born with this. He also had a, a, what do you call it? He had a, um, when they do your bone marrow, he had a bone marrow transplant. And um, I was even researching that, and I think that's like one of the only ways that they can change blood types. So it makes me wonder, did they deliberately give us this blood type somehow? I don't know. <laughs> At any rate, um, yeah, it's, it's just been a lot, and even, you know, in listening to your story, I mean, we, we yeah, we've endured all kinds of abuse. I mean, sexual abuse, physical, verbal, um, emotional, definitely targeted from pretty much everyone connected to us. So mm-hmm. it happened, you know, with family members, friends, um, you know, folks in the church. I mean, yeah, it's unreal. But but I have watched it. They, they kind of follow the exact same patterns. So initially I'm just experiencing what's happening to me. But then when I look back over my life and then I look back over my mother's life and my grandparents, and then even with my daughter now, um, they follow the exact same pattern. Um, when when you're talking about like sudden deaths and things like that, like I've experienced all of that within, you know, our circle. Um, it's it's just it's unreal. And so that that's all the comment I have for right now. I mean I have um yeah, I mean it's a lot I could say, but that's all I'll say for now for like the sake of time. Well, I want to welcome you, 202, to the call tonight. I'm glad you joined, and I'm glad we're going to keep opening up these vectors of generational and other topics because, uh, as you heard earlier, the more we heal everybody and get in tune of what we're going through and face all fears, it's easy to face the enemy. I want to pull the TI community out of that fear, scaring to be scared, be in a corner, scared you're going to piss the carpeting and obsessed with boo-boo or pookie, the corner perp, you know what I mean? want to get out of that job. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, and we want um, to I just really think and, a lot of this can be proven, and I'm wondering, um, do, I mean, do do you all agree like that it could be proven? Because I, I think so. Um, I'm trying to figure out if we, well, we know if we can find follow the money for trafficking, that can be proven. You know what I mean? Assets dripping, if we find out uh, definitely how they make, you know, how they steal the money and cipher the money. I think that can be proven. Uh, oh, I wanted to mention this. This is a big thing I wanted to mention. They have, um, and this is in my family. So I've noticed the pattern also that um, the hospitals 
myself, my mother, and my daughter, each of us. You know, we're born in three different hospitals, but the hospitals that each of us were born in no longer exist. And I feel like that has to do with records and stuff like that. Also, mm-hmm. another hospital where this hospital was in transition, and, um, you know, they had me going back and forth to this hospital where I was pregnant with my daughter. So they, they gave me some false, you know, they told me, oh, we believe, you know, your daughter may, uh, from some tests they conducted, we believe that she may be born with Down syndrome or sign of bifida. It was a complete lie because she was born completely healthy. Anyway, they had me going back and forth on a weekly basis to this hospital, which technically was not open as a hospital. So this hospital was in transition somehow. They had me going there having sonograms and everything done on a weekly basis. They wanted to do an amniocentesis. And, you know, I was young, just 20, and um, I looked it up and read up on it and everything, and I didn't even want to risk it. I said, no, you know, I didn't let them do the amnio. But when I look back on it, um, I'm thinking they were probably trying to find out what her, you know, like take a sample of her DNA and um, find out whether or not she had the same blood type as me and my mother. I'm like, they probably were trying to pretty much do testing while she was still in the womb. Um, and this is wow. totally unreal to me. And so, it is. Um, that hospital, that hospital also is no longer in existence as a hospital. And so I feel like they're going around and they're trying to cover up their tracks, I guess, as best they can. Um, it's just unreal. It's, it's unreal. I believe you. Well, I believe us, you. Neither of us are in our um, yearbooks either. All three of us somehow managed to not be in our yearbooks, our high school yearbooks. And um, and my family is so small too. My mother's side of the family. Because what's mm-hmm. really funny about it is, you know, I discovered in all of this that my father's side of the family, um, because they do send specific people your way and they send folks your way deliberately, and and you know they have some purpose behind it. But anyway, my father's side of the family heavily targeted my mother's side of the family. And, and what's funny is, you know, they don't realize that by targeting others, you become targeted too. You know, the way that it states it in the joint targeting publication, that essentially we're primary targets, and then everyone that they recruit to target us becomes targets of opportunity. And so in that, they become targeted too, because now they have to keep an eye on you as well so that their secrets don't get out. Well, um, my father's family was um, targeting my mother's side of the family, like I said, and um, yeah, just I, I just wanted, like, just with the whole thing prearranged, even in, like I said, with the DNA and everything, like, did they pair them up for a reason? I, I don't know. It's just unreal. It is. It is. It really is. And we and it's just showing us everybody just how far and deep this can really go. And we again, this is the question that we could even ask ourselves, you know, by ourselves. What is the relevancy of this? Again, let me explain to it. The more we can connect ourselves, ourselves, the better we come out of the emotional scared victim, and the more we pull away, and the more we become stronger. The more we demand from the TI community, including calls and everything else. Let's. Stop all of this fear and get down and fight this because we already know an educated soldier is going to win and fight the war better than one that's oblivious, okay? Thank you so much, though, 202, for calling us tonight and sharing. We're going to move on. 612 has a question. Thank you. Thank you again. 
Okay, let's see. 612, go ahead, open you up. Can you hear me? Go ahead. All right, we can hear you, 612, go ahead. Okay. Um, I just want to concur earlier with what Gotham said. I pretty much agree with her. But um, one interesting thing that you said today, and the two old, two women who is mm-hmm. when I was forcefully um, incarcerated into the mental health industry um, under false charges, I found that this was happening to an inordinate amount of people who had um, Native American in them. And so it doesn't surprise me that you said it's something for American people. And like the earlier woman in 202, um, I'm RH negative as well. Um, Max Pierce did a thing with Miles Johnson and how they uh, target certain bloodlines. Um, I'm O positive, but I'm RH negative. And supposedly, um, we're a very unpredictable group. And so they don't like us. And... It's very interesting also that I'm multi-generational, and it does go back to World War II. It looks like my grandfather was involved with Operation Paperclip. So we go back, way back where it looks like even Knights Templar garbage in my family, and uh, Mayflower garbage and all kinds of nasty stuff. The probably only thing saving me is the Native American. So it's interesting how this seems to go in line where what I found in the hospital is they're actually... Also, they were asking is um, if uh, they were trying to contact by having green provisions or things like that. And so they seem to be trying to find people with any sort of culpability. So I was wondering if anyone else could um, elaborate on that if they've experienced that as well. But, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, in fact, let me go ahead and elaborate, you guys. I'm going to go ahead and. Um, Open up the call, you guys, so everyone can see. Um, everyone right now can be heard. Everyone's unmuted and everyone can be heard. And everyone, I want to thank you for um, refraining from talking. I'm starting to learn, talk to you a little bit better. And as you can all see, and as Faith from Gotham even expressed, I do better work presentation when it is quiet, guys. I can't lie. I'm in the zone. Okay, so it's not like other calls you listen to. Oh, this happened five years ago. Guys, I'm in the zone. I'm back in 1976. I'm telling you. It's almost like I'm taking you on a walk with me. See what I see. See what I see. Okay, visual woman. I'm very visual. But everyone's open right now. And thank you for that. And we're going to keep progressing. Not only generational, sex trafficking, asset stripping. You know, we have to start mentioning what the other calls delay from or find negative. Let me tell you guys the truth. When we don't talk about these things, it is like a polka dot elephant in the living room and no one's raising their hand to say, what is that? We have to now be the ones to say, the emperor has no clothes. we got to get real because all of these support and coddle calls ain't making these women and men any stronger to fight. In fact, it's doing the reverse. Talking all the time obsessed about boo-boo or pookie, the corner perp. This program is so bigger than that little two-bit perp across the street from you. This is bigger than poisoning you or sabotaging your, your car wheel. It's bigger. It's bigger. 
I know they want to get some of you frightened that it's extraterrestrial. We'll talk uh, hopefully by the time I relocate to Cali, everyone, with my sisters. Uh-uh. And the mechanism of V2K, they have a paranormal effect. So get it out of your mind about all that gizmo, gizmo. They've got the technology to do this. We're not crazy. And I think someone is in the chat. The link you sent that some man is on TV, the link won't show uh, anymore on Eyewitness News. I can't link it up anymore, I guess, one. And again, everyone, further, don't talk negative about the moderators, especially Renata. She doesn't bother anyone, really. And I do believe, I know for certain, I, think she's, I know she's a genuine target, you know. And you're kind of looking in the wrong direction for the moderators. Your real perps are the ones you talk to all the time. Think about it sometimes. Don't want to get real. Quail new ideals. Come on. We're New Jack here tonight. We've got our thinking caps on. We're not dumb. Think about it, you guys. Okay? The floor is open for everyone. Just to open it up, everything's correct. It's been going on without a, without a doubt since World War II. Also, you guys need to know something. Don't be all that impressed with that Robert Duncan. He worked for the CIA. Everyone wants to talk about MK Ultra. Project Moonstruck is the actual patent for V2K. Duncan worked for the CIA in the 70s, guys. That's way after Project Moonstruck. Yet this joker didn't bother to tell the targeted individual community about all the CIA projects. We even heard some jive, targeted justice or free targeted individuals, that the MK Ultra patents will be reviewed. That's all cool, but when are they going to really make public Project Moonstruck? Do your research, everybody. Think as our enemies think. Before we start screaming, everyone is shouting who's a perp. Number one, a perp ain't going to give too much information. A perp is always going to distract. A perp is going to use things like positive and negative. And they want to, number five, they want to hurt a group of people to manipulate what? How I think. If I'm ever accused of being a perp, I'm the opposite. I'm always practically screaming on my calls. Think, think, think. Think about what you hear in the regular calls. Do you hear anybody pushing you? When you use words like think, 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 do the research for yourself, it is not neuro-linguistic programming kind of talk. I'm not talking in a culty kind of guru thing. Look up Project Moonstruck. Be ready this fall by the time, God willing, I can get safely reunited with my sisters and pack up everything here and head back. Yes, I'm heading back to the belly of the beast, but... I think it would please my mom as her sisters, these girls, want us all reunited. There's no kumbaya anywhere. The program follows you wherever you go. Wherever you are, if you feel you're going to stay there, surround your home or perimeter as secure as you can possibly. Be with family and friends that you have mutual loyalty. You're getting no reward knowingly aligning yourself with purpose. You're not. They're going to burn you, and you know that. Yes, I'll accept that we're on a kill program. 
But we're not at their timetable when our end should be. We're fighting back. They don't think for us. I would do my very best to always speak and tell the truth. I run the risk of smaller calls so we can fight as one than larger calls that I'm going to lead you around with lies or what I believe is disinformation. Any information that any of you want to share, we talk about it, we'll debate it and find out if it's truth or not. But the main thing, my calls will always be guided logically because we're human beings, we're grown adults, we're logic. We were logic before this program even started. And it's been around. That's the purpose of generational. It's been along for a long time. Asset stripping, they want to take everything that's us. If there's evidence and proof, can we find even um, life insurance policies on us? Where would that be? Many speculate that we're sold on the dark web, the Internet, for sex trafficking. I put it out there to Twitter, but the only thing really answering me, I can feel that the way they write back to me are perks, you guys. So, but seek and we shall find. If I just stay on it, persistent, it's going to pay off. There's a reward, a godly reward, in desiring to only search and know truth. If you don't think that's going to make you a stronger human being, you are mistaken. Pay where you live, buy your groceries. You know, if you have to bump into Pookie or Boo Boo the perp, laugh at it and keep moving, keep it going. Okay? Don't deny yourself anything. There is no, I don't know, there's no statue or award for staying in your house scared, living as a hermit of no power. Power always begins between our ears, you know. And we're all thinking human beings. I don't care if the masses go with it. If you dissect it and break it down and just find something that you want to ask more questions, ask questions. This community has wonderful people, but its detriment will be always idolatry and the avoiding of truth. That will be this community's Achilles heel. It will always be. Every, all, every single one of us are not MK Ultra. However, this joker has known about Project Moonstruck. How could he not and work for the CIA agency post-1953? Think about it. Why didn't he bother to tell us that? He only comes around sparingly when he wants to sell a book. He has no confidence. In us. Didn't he say it how many times? 30 years. He's saying it as if he knows when we're pushing daisies. Then, and only then, our heirs can maybe be able to collect that. As I've always said, why do I want to die and, and then some kind of heir gets the money and I'm going through the torment right now? I want my check. I want the money. I want the exposure all right now. As any thinking person would want. Don't be bought and gullible for every PhD that wants to shake its tail feather at the TI community. You know what I'm saying? 
Maybe I am taking the world to my <laughs> illiterate grandmother on my father's side. Don't be that damn impressed. That's what I'm saying. She wasn't. She wasn't impressed with people. She wasn't a fan. You know, she was not at all. You know, and uh, it takes me almost pushing sixty to realize she kind of had a point with that. Okay, all I'm saying is all these boohoo um, headhunters. You know, when are they going to start producing and bearing fruit in our community? That's that's really what I'm thinking. What you know, how else can I really say this? <laughs> what are they here for? You know, that's what I don't understand. What are they here for? Are they here, in fact, to keep us preoccupied? I don't know. But everyone, um, we're going to be closing momentarily. Uh, it's an open uh, topic tonight. Any of you have any uh, comments or questions? And I can't thank you enough. This is a really wonderful compliment from Faye of Gotham. I appreciate that. I will try each and every time with interviews, as well as commentaries, to keep bringing it. Our eyes are too open to everyone right now to go back to the simple, you know, small potatoes, you know what I mean? We are starting to grow and learn too much now. Just go for that. I... uh We'll be on again. We're going to go on. That would be the 22nd, guys. That's uh, August 22nd. That's a Wednesday. You know, overall, I try to keep it right as rain. Uh, Wednesday and always Saturday. We did a special podcast today, if time permits, because I know in a few weeks I'm going to be closing up the uh, abode and trying to make our, our, our trip to relocate back to Cali. Uh, I really want hope uh, we need to be together medically, closest sisters. We need to be together. We didn't. Uh, finding things in our youth, we loved one another. I can't lie and say we were always close. Uh, but we grow closer even before this program. Yes, we're close now, very close. Yeah. I'm sorry, does someone have a question? Oh, can everyone... Okay, do I have it turned up? Yeah, I have it turned up. Everybody's open right now. Does anyone have any questions or comments? We're going to uh, close pretty soon. In a matter of weeks, we'll try to pick up generational, the next facet. Um, Any of you have been interested in trafficking, generational, or asset stripping? Um, you can, if you have access to computer, you guys, my email is always, I'll put it in the chat too, laurenk57 at protonmail.com. You can hit and put that in. Okay, G1, I'm really tired. If you want to figure out how to block the chat, you and your sisters aren't real TIs. You know, I'm not even getting upset. Let me again, let me break it down. Well, you know what? If me and my sister ain't real, pal, you tell me who, who isn't. Okay? 
I break down with new information and it's the truth. You listen to lies on the other TI calls. What's positive or negative? Ain't moving shit, keeping everybody as dumb as a nail. Also, my sister and I, with her kidney problems, we're already on the World Wide Web, GI1, with her formal and address and things on Facebook, as well as University of Chicago, rejection for kidney transplant. I don't know how much realer you can get. Also, Congress for what? Congressional hearing request with Darlene Miles. What else do you know? want to know what else is real? Homeland Security came to my, oh, my abode almost a year ago working with Professor Solange Martinez on the illegal alien mafia. Hell, Ella's fake group said we don't want to call illegal people. Now it's all out on the West Coast, and they're saying illegal criminals. You folks ask me what the difference is. Every time, G1, you want to ask those stupid perp questions, you stupid idiot, your perps are already in your face. Are you one of those gullible masses that follows that shit? My mother didn't birth a fool. I'm not stupid. Are you stupid, G1? Get off of this call. Get off of the chat room. Perps don't discuss their regular life, don't talk about their date of birth, where they were born. They don't give that kind of information, you ignorant S-O-B. They don't. They don't. Who's Ella Free? Who's Neil? Who's Derek? Who are they? What do you know about them? I'm asking hard-hitting questions. What do you know about them? What have they really shared? What have you asked of that? Again, my mom didn't create an idiot, I think. Think about it. What have they shared? What is their age? What is their background? Anybody can be anybody on a phone. Yeah, I get that, but what have they shared? Project Moonstruck, even sex trafficking. For God's sakes, the President of the United States, whether any of you like him or not, he has executive orders addressing human trafficking. But the goddamn moderators in this forum won't address it? Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. Your president of your country is addressing these atrocities, but targeted individual moderators won't bring them up. Think about that for a minute. Even my mother, born in 1924, would say, "What? Well, you know what I mean? Do you hear a, a, a duck quack or what? Stupid. You know, think about it. It doesn't make common sense, now does it? I don't know about dreams and fantasies in one's head, but I can get down to common sense. I'm a common sense woman. I always have been. I know it's almost evening. I know when the sun sets and when it rises. This is the kind of stupidity that people want to pop themselves up on turning anyone. Guess one in the chat. Get off. You're done. You can insult me, maybe one thing, but you insult my younger sister's hands off. I met what I promised my mom before she died. I'll look after them to the day I die. You will not, ex- you will not insult my tribe. Say what you want about me. Hands off of my sisters, and I mean that. Hands off. And you listen to some ridiculous idiot. And at the end of her phony shows, what does she say? Go over to Ryan. Ryan is a drunk. She supports a drunk. I'm supposed to follow that? I'm supposed to follow that? What ethics and morals are that? Or is that not necessary to be a targeted individual? Must one be devoid of ethics and morals? 
Well, I guess so. Late night listening to a drunk. Does anyone have any questions or comments at this time? Okay, everyone. Um, I want to thank you for that, and I'm just going to keep realizing, everyone, I, we, you are always going to have to fight these very ignorant perps, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, and and they want us to be like the masses of most uh, TIs, not asking enough questions, you know? I hope to continue the show, and thank you so much. We'll keep continuing uh, generational uh, targeting. I'll try to do it uh, alternate weeks. Um, we have the newcomer, 202. I love her input, as well as Kim. And, of course, always Faye of Gotham. Um, all of you are truly, truly beautiful women. Uh, you have a lot of input. You're thinking. And I like that. You know I like that. I lo- actually, I love that. Uh, start, sorry for the uh, letting it all out. I apologize, chat. But, you know, I, what can I say? I'm very protective of my younger sisters. I, what I can say. I'm very protective. And I worry a lot. I always will. I worried about all of us, for that matter. You know, we are in a death program. And we really don't, like, need everyone, you know... The uh, shallowness of it. We're fighting everyone for our lives. You know what I mean? We're, we're trying to. We're fighting for our lives. So it's, it's kind of hard. All right, everyone. Without uh, without further further ado, you guys know how I do it. New Jack style. I want to thank you all for coming. I'll be on Right as Rain Wednesday evening at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, right here on TalkShoe. Tell others. It's going to be called 144-771. The topic is to be announced. Um, And I know if you could just be a patient in the next month, month and a half with the fall winding down, some of you may have kids, they're back at school, but everything winds back down a little bit, and we'll start bringing some truth about this voice to skull because there is just too much, guys, crazy information. I'm not lying. It's just really a lot of crazy information. So, as always, I'm dropping them. As the young folks put it, I'm going to drop this mic. Lauren's putting it down. And we always coast out with an oldie but goodie, don't we? Um, well, everyone, as usual, we are going to um, coast it on. Let's go. Send your camel to bed. Shadow painting our faces. Chasing the romance in our head. Heaven's holding our hands. Shadow just for us. Let's 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.